morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Rejaf Podcast with me, Will Stevenson, and my glorious co-host riding the ship side by side with me. How are you doing, Rob? I'm very good. How are you, mate? Mm. I'm all right. Um, the end of half term is upon us soon, so that's sad. Um, but it's been a good week. I've got tattoos. I've uh, enjoyed the sun, cleared the back garden, spent a lot of time with my dog. It's been beautiful. It's been beautiful. Whereas you've been working all week. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Now. I've been working all week. Yeah, it's just how it's it's just how it's worked out this week. But I'm gonna have three days off together very soon, so it's all good. Um, but you know, it's been a good week nonetheless. To be fair. Yeah, and um, yeah. we've not really been. To, I've not really been so much this week. Have you managed to get too many events or anything? I've not been to any events. Uh, oh no, actually, I did. Sorry, I tell a lie. Uh, on Wednesday, me mm. and Nat went uh, with her mom and the grandma of uh, to watch Dirty Dancing live. <laughs> uh, Nat got a mum, pre- uh, mum and gran uh, that as a present for like Mother's Day, and then yes. uh, yeah, we just ended up going in along, and it was it was great. It was it was really fun actually. Yeah, we were in town today and the queues were huge, massive crowd. So it looks amazing from the outside. Was it good? Yeah, no, it was good. I, I'm a bit, it's a, a musical has to be like good mm. for me because like I find some a bit cheesy and stuff like, no shade, obviously, it's just preference in it. But I love like, I love like old school musicals like yeah. Rent the Film. Have you ever seen that? Yes, like, that's I such a have. Great, really good that film. That is class. I love that film. Uh, and obviously, like your grease and mm. everything, but um, yeah, no, I loved, I loved so the you, you want, of it. You want the old school, you want proper cheese. Like, if you're gonna go <laughs> cheese, you want 110% like mozz- yeah, mozzarella yeah, 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 on yeah. top. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the one. Amazing. So, we're here with a bit of a different episode this week um, because we're joined by a very special guest who we'll introduce in a minute. And we're here to talk about awards season in poetry, in writing, and um, what that means? Does it mean anything? Is it important? Is it good for your CV? Does anyone really care? We've touched on this previously. We talked about it with Brogan a little bit, way back in episode one. Um, yes, but it's going to be a good ago. chat. It feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? It, it does, does. It does. But about two months we've been doing this now already. So that's poof, way to blow your mind. Um, <laughs> let's not waste any further time. Do you want to introduce our guest? I do. So today we're chatting, we're joined by uh, Ilaria Passeri, our friend. Uh, and Ilaria has been mm. four times nominated in these awards that we're talking about tonight. So uh, big up for that. Um, Ilaria is a brilliant storyteller um, and someone who um, we've come to know and love. Uh, so yeah, let's get chatting. Let's get chatting about it. Hello, Ilaria. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you two? We're very well. We're happy. Thank you for coming and sitting down with us and chatting about uh, the nominations and everything. Uh, how are you feeling about it all? It's it's strange, isn't it? Because obviously I'm delighted. I'm really, really happy about it. But it's one of those things where when I got the email, I was re- obviously happy. It's a lovely thing to read, isn't it? But I was like, straight away, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to put this on social media. And then suddenly it's, you can't, it's that thing of feeling like you want, you want to show off about it. You want everyone to know. Yeah. You kind of yeah. don't want anyone to know. And, oh, it's just this double anxious thing. And I think that's, that's because we're sort of writer performers, isn't it? Like half show-offs, half like, oh, don't look at me. But please look at me, but, but don't. And so it's, yeah, I've been feeling quite vulnerable. I don't know, like just a bit, oh God. 
don't know, but obviously it's lovely. I mean, I've not been feeling that vulnerable. I mean, I put a picture of my of, of me surrounded by all the nominations. So, but but then when I put that up, I was like, oh no, I need to take it down. Or so I'm happy. But it's you are surrounded by them as well. Four different nominations. So nominated for best Sto- short story collection, for best spoken word performer, for um, best regular spoken word night twice. Very exciting. Twice. Which one? Which one yeah. was like the one where you went? Oh yeah, yes please. That's that's that that feels most validating. Well, they're all they're all so different. They're all sort of like lots of different parts of what I do. So I do always mm. describe myself as a writer performer. So having the one for the short story collection and then the performer is lovely. I wasn't expecting the one for just stories. My um, the night that I run. I wasn't expecting that one because it's. It's such a niche night and it's so it's so like its own little thing. It's like a little secret pocket of the world. Yeah. Verbose is big and lovely and great. So Verbose, that's a that's an amazing one to have kept that one. Because obviously Verbose has won a few times, but me, Lisa and Alicia took that over in January. So we were thinking, oh God, if we don't get nominated for this again, it's like <laughs> what have those three hooligans done to this amazing night? So Oh, all of them felt really, really nice. All of them. All lovely. I suppose we should make it clear for anyone who doesn't know that what the Saboteur Awards are, which is what we're talking about. Yeah. So the Saboteur Awards is run by a website called Sabotage Reviews, and it's a sort of peer-nominated awards season for poetry and spoken word mostly. Obviously, there's the Best Short Story Collection um, category as well which which you are nominated under as well with tales of confused life but it is one that it feels quite peer-led and with it's voted by people rather than having a judges panel like some awards do do you guys think that matters is it does it make it more important less important that it's voted by our peers competitions are a they're a weird thing anyway aren't they because it's one of those things where it obviously is wonderful to have it's you know it does lift you up and make you feel all warm inside and lovely but people that don't do spoken word are the ones that have been most impressed by this so like my mum for example who doesn't do spoken word is like <laughs> e, oh bloody hell oh you've gone and got on a warrant and I'm like well no 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 that's not I haven't and she's like straight away she'll think oh it's gonna be on the telly and oh <laughs> Jesus Christ so I think people that don't do this see it as um I don't know like something that's gonna make you a millionaire and do you know what I mean get you like people like agents knocking on the door mm. and they but we kind of see it as a different mm. thing so it's it's odd it's hard to explain isn't it because it means so many different things to different to different people yeah I think it's a tough one because like you don't want to say that they're less important because that these these sort of awards that are like peer led, they are doing important work because they're probably the uplifting voices that maybe wouldn't get uplifted by mainstream mm. awards and stuff like that. And that's that is important, isn't it? That pe- the people that wouldn't normally get recognised or um, uplifted in that way, you know, get that yeah. opportunity. Um, but like you said, yeah, it's not like um, the, the forward prize, for example, you, you probably would get like a publishing deal out of that, of winning that, a po- having a poem that won that or, mm. you know, a short story that won that award. So it's it's different, but it's 
I don't like to think it in terms of more or less important because I think they're all like they're all important in their way, in their own way. Definitely. There's been a lot of dis discourse, hasn't there, about people um getting certain things or achieving in certain ways and, and people choosing to sort of support that and who you vote for and there's there's a lot of politics into it as well. Especially in a scene again, we know we hate that word on this podcast, but a scene that's quite small like Manchester where we all tend to know each other quite well. It's it, it divides the vote a little bit. I mean last year we had us at Switchblade, we had Verbose and we had Saying all nominated for best um spoken word night. Verbose, as you mentioned earlier, yes. Aria won that and which was amazing. Um and it's good for the city, I think, to have that that level of representation. It's interesting if we look at the nights this year, um we have two from Manchester. So both both <laughs> both run by yourself, Alaria. Amazing. Um we have one from Swindon, one from Brighton, one from Coventry, and then um, the Loud Poet Slam series, which is, is, is designated as across Scotland. So it, it sort of moves across the country. But Manchester's the only representation there for north of England, whereas last year it was very, very different. So I don't know whether that's a case of demographic changing or what there's nothing in london nominated there either which i think is interesting Good. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> i don't mean that <laughs> i think that um that probably has a little bit to do with the fact that like in this year that's passed poetry is like blown up hasn't it up and down mm. the country like um when i started mm. i manchester was like the the hub like there was so many, and there is still, it is still, there is still so many nights. Loads of new nights I've still not been able to get to that have like popped up recently. So there is still, um, it's not that, I don't think that it's that Manchester's doing less, but I think that the country as a whole is doing more, you know what I mean? And I guess there's a case of the vote being split as well across, if you've, like you say, you've got so many in Manchester, we can just name off the top of our heads. People might not be able to choose a favour or might end up, you know, splitting the vote across multiples or whatever it is, it's certainly interesting. The yeah. best um, festival also stood out to me, um, where Manchester Festival of Libraries was nominated alongside Verve Poetry Festival, Ledbury, Bath and Lyra. Um, so that's in Bristol. Um, mm. So a nice healthy split across the country there. Some quite um, prestigious or well-known festivals. Verve, definitely, obviously they've got a publisher as well that's linked yes. to that. Um the Manchester Festival of Libraries, but then some sort of newer upcoming ones as well. It stood out to me that Morecambe wasn't nominated there, um, which we talked about in an episode with Henry Normal, which was a huge brand new event, you know, headlined by, you know, they had Henry himself, they had um, all sorts of big John Cooper Clark, incredible people. The Doctor. The Doctor, indeed. But not, but not making the nominations. And you look at, why you look at maybe the demographic of the people attending there and again you look at the, the kind of yeah. people that are going to go and vote interesting it is it is interesting if we quickly take a look through the other categories before moving on to some more general questions um we have best reviewer yep. which i think is a, a lovely category um people like ben who we've had on previously have talked to us about the importance of literary criticism um Best collaborative work, who I know who I've got my vote on for next year already. Um, shout out to 
J. Daniel West and Lou Mack who are doing Yes, I was absolutely, yes, yes. Um, and Best Magazine. I wondered if, Romina, I, I, this seems like your kind of thing maybe. Arzine, Butcher's Dog, Here Comes Everyone, Northern Gravy, Street Cake. I wonder if you had any knowledge of any of those. So I have heard of uh, Butcher's Dog before. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think that I've come across Arzine online, but I've never, like, actually, I don't think I've, um, you know, looked through on a stuff or anything. But Butcher's Dog, definitely, and also Street Cake Magazine as well. I've heard of them before, and I've seen some of their stuff. Um, the others, I haven't, but it's amazing that they're up there, and I'll definitely be checking them out because, like I say, it is my kind of thing. But, um, yeah, they're, they're, I think they're quite different. Butcher's Dog is, like, a more serious tone, mm-hmm. but really, like, good page poetry. Street Cake Magazine, I would say a little bit more experimental, but um, like amazing all the same. Do you think, particularly with this category, but with all of them, and this is for both of you, do you think it makes you more likely to go and check out these performers, these nights, these magazines, now you've seen them on this list? This list specifically, not awards in general, this list. It does me because like, I went on and followed loads of these afterwards Mm. on um, social media. So I think the way that, the way that it is now is if you've got those on your feed and you see like their prompts, their open calls, when you're on the, oh, no, oh I've lost my earpod. When, um, <laughs> when you're on the train and stuff, you are then thinking, oh, I could submit to that. So it does feel a little bit yeah. more accessible. Yeah. So for me, definitely, it's made me look at them a little bit more. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, absolutely. I did the same. I went and followed those that were, you know, there and stuff. So. Um, and again, it's like you say, yeah, if they're in your feed then and you're seeing prompts and you're likely to engage with them and they're you, um, it's only a good thing, isn't it? Which is the point of this awards. It's, you know, that we now know about those magazines, those reviewers, those, do you know what I mean? So it has lifted those, those voices already. Like we're following them now on social media, aren't we? We'll be looking into what they do, sharing their posts. So it's done its job already before... It's even taken place, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really nice way of looking at it, I think. And I think that breaks down into the way that they um, do the awards and that when they're they're not released is that they have the winner and then the rest, everybody else is a runner up out of this. This is the the nominations is the shortlist. So by default, you can now put on your um, posters for your um, upcoming um, one woman show shortlisted for best performer and you've got something to sell yeah exactly now but that's the thing that's the way that i've looked at it like it's already what a boost and it's just one of those things where i think because because it's like creative non-fiction that i write it's such a i do a lot i I know a lot of poets i do all i do all the poetry nights and stuff but i don't fit in Mm. within within those nights um so for me i'm i'm chuffed that i get to be part of this as a as someone that writes creative nonfiction and you know just storytelling, that I've still been able to be part of this. So it's so inclusive. It's just the written word, really, isn't it? And what you do with it. Mm. Absolutely, such a good way of looking at it. And this is what I mean by the important work because um, not talking about obviously Larry in specific, because I think you know you would get picked up by the big ones anyway. But um, the these sort of awards are uplifting and and getting you to getting you to audiences that you wouldn't reach. I don't think in mainstream media or 
I don't know, maybe I'm rambling, but yeah, I just agree with you. No, Blue. you're right. Like, so Just Stories um, is in, well, as you both know, it's in a tiny little room in like a really kooky pub in the Northern Quarter, but no, no one would, no one else outside of sort of that world would know about it. So yeah. Yeah. how lovely that it gets to be on that list against, you know, some nights that are a bit bigger and... And it's like that night revolves around that rubber chicken. Do you know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> how, how lovely that it gets to be on on that list that's well respected when it's just a really little weird kooky night. Like it's not a poetry night. It what is it? You know, it's people sharing stories and yeah. the people that go to that actually are not are not poets either. So some of them are just ordinary people that just want to share a story. So it, it's lovely that it gets to be on that. I think you should clarify what the rubber chicken is for people who've never been. Oh, yeah, they're going to think it's some <laughs> fetish, aren't they? It's not, it's not an erotic night. Well, it might be for some people. Um, the rubber chicken is because <laughs> the slots are just stories are 10 minutes. But as you know, being poets and like running nights yourselves, <laughs> people that do spoken word are rubbish at sticking to their time slot, aren't they? So yeah. when it gets to like nine and a half minutes, I squeak the chicken once. When it gets to 10 minutes, 10 seconds, it just gets thrown at them. And it's, it's a sort of a light-hearted way of being like, right, stop it now, wrap it up. Because it, doesn't it get awkward at some nights when someone's done sort of 15 minutes when they're meant to have had four minutes and they go, can I do one more? And it's like, no, you've already gone over. So if you throw a chicken at them, they want to leave. So that, that's the Brilliant. reason for Brian the chicken. I love that. I love Shout that. out to Brian the chicken every time. <laughs> Um, so from one set of really inclusive awards to another, um, which had a, a controversy in the online world a few weeks ago, the Cafe Nero newly announced book awards. No poetry category, guys. No poetry category. Oh, wow. <laughs> Heartbreaking. Um, or not at all, depending on who you ask. Um, <laughs> does it matter? Is it important? Why are Cafe Nero sponsoring book awards in the first place? What have Costa done to us? Lots of questions for us to think about. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I remember when Costa Award was the Whitbread Award. It was that yeah. long ago. But no, I yeah. Why are Nero? Why are Nero sponsoring books? Interesting. It's interesting, isn't it? I I've always thought that with the Costa thing and with with Nero now. It, it, obviously, people there's the idea that you go and read in a coffee shop and that's a nice communal thing. But it does feel like a weird one. It feels like they're trying to sort of achieve like a degree of pretense or pomposity because it's mm. like literature and that is you know the ultimate thing to do well then why not um, do a poetry one then why yeah why you exclude poetry it doesn't make sense yeah. it is a strange one because you think well what additional cost does that accrue really i suppose hiring the judges for poetry which which have to be a particular poetry judge and I don't know it, it certainly had a degree of backlash online hasn't it i wonder if it just falls under like non-fiction you know it's not its own category, I suppose. Which is that? That's interesting. Would you naturally lump it with nonfiction over fiction? I think I've seen that on some like book website before where it, I, I can't remember. I couldn't tell you, but I'm pretty sure I've mm. seen like poetry logged as nonfiction. Mm. So maybe, but you would still need, like you said, a, a, a specific, you know, a poetry knowledgeable mm. judge to, to judge that. So that's. It's bizarre, isn't it? Just have a category. Yeah. You'd put it under non-fiction. Yeah. 
when it's, it's, come, it's, it's, it's in, from the Interesting, heart. really, because uh, a lot of it is, like, uh, true to a lot of people, yeah. you know, like, poems are quite personal, aren't they? So can be. Not, can be. Mm. Well, this is Don't the thing. It can be, but it can, but also, so this is the thing. It's it's hard to put it into a category or a box, isn't it? Because yeah. So I I just classify what I do as just creative nonfiction because a lot of it is a lot of it is true about my family, but obviously not all of it is. But I'm not going <laughs> to sit there and tell you which bits are and which bits aren't, and so that's just the yeah. way that I just describe it. But but still, that's not a that's not a category that I see around a lot. Um, no. Which is why I am so happy that to be included in these awards because it's not a it's not a standard thing that I see when I try and look for awards and stuff. I don't think Nero I don't think Nero are gonna include me, are they? <laughs> and I go a lot when I'm at Piccadilly. They've had a lot of my money, so yeah. Yeah, they should think twice, shouldn't they? They should ask at the counter. By the way, what do you think about a creative nonfiction character? <laughs> I love it. Interesting. Come on, Caffeineiro. Come on the pod and uh, explain yourselves. <laughs> and give us some awards. Where's the, where's the podcast awards for best poetry about poetry? You know, podcasts? just on that, if I can just jump in on that really quick. Um, I think... Oh, I do apologise. <laughs> so sorry. No, it's because I had a question on... I thought it was a musical introduction. <laughs> Uh, no, but Lou from Poetry to Your, to Your Ears, yes. um, it's not really a question, but she says we need Poetry Podcast Awards. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's us and Lou and uh, Simon Armitage. He's got one as well, I think. <laughs> There's oh. quite a few, you know. There's a few. <laughs> Andy N has one. Spoken, yeah, that's true. Spoken, spoken Label. label. Um, th- there's a few. Like, there is a few. Seren has one. Ben Wilkinson was on it. Do you know, that leads really nicely into what I was going to uh, talk about next. Because, so I've got a list of the Forward Prize um, p- for Poetry 2022 winners. Okay. Um, and the best collection uh, is a, p- a collection that I think we've all probably heard of, which is Kim Moore's All the Men I Never Married. Yes, Which was it. published through Seren. Mm-hmm. Um, the best first collection was um, Stephanie uh, Saikwea. Uh, I'm... Aminon, um, which was through Granta Poetry. Apologies if I've just butchered the name of that collection. Um, so the first one there, a, re- a relatively big name that I know. Uh, the second one I'm unaware of. So that's obviously a very different type of prize. The forward prize is is chosen by judges. Um, this year the judges are um, Bernadice Evaristo, um, Kate Frost, Kate. Kate Fox, Karen McCarthy-Wolf, Andres um, N. Ordizia, and Jessica Traynor, and one chaired by uh, Joelle Taylor. So, names with a lot of kudos, cred, and experience behind them. Very different kind of award than the Saboteur Awards, which we've talked about, was voted by peers. As people, you, me and Romina, um, who've had pieces put forward for, the, <laughs> put forward for that prize... Mm. Um, yes. how does what are your thoughts on that as a as a thing? Uh, how would you feel about your your work being sort of showcased in that way? I mean, I I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't like mm. be elated with that because 
Um, obviously, I did a BA, as everyone, as people may know, uh, in creative writing. So I, I have come from that background, and things like this have always like seen, has been seen as kind of prestigi- prestigious. Uh, Kim Moore has come down and talked to us um, when I was at Bolton, um, and yeah, I, I would be I would be happy, but at the same time, I I just. I, I understand that it probably would open doors and it would be good mm-hmm. for my career, but I also am aware of the fact that it's not. It doesn't mean that I'm better than anyone else that didn't, that wouldn't have gotten that. It's just it's it just means poetry and art in general is so subjective. Like some people might like my poem, it might move them to tears and they might reconnect to it, like. Um, relate to a part of it but that some people might just not because they maybe have had a different experience or a different upbringing or a different life experience in general so mm. it's you know yeah so the, the question is to what extent can creative writing or poetry be judged exactly yeah it's a tough one because like you, you can judge it on like um things like technique and mm-hmm. you know uh poetic devices like metaphors and and structure and format Mm -hmm. and and language you can obviously critique that if you study it to a high enough degree and all these things but I think it's very difficult to just think of poetry or writing in any in, in in general in those terms of like just the mechanical of it because to to me it's more about the emotion I write a lot of the time to get emotions out of me to evoke emotions in the reader and it's it's more about that to me. So I, I, I place more value on that than I would uh, on, on... But, Romina, when you combine those... When you combine the technique and yeah. the structure and the heart and the emotion, then that is when you get something truly spectacular, though, isn't it? But Of course. But that, that's the thing. So it's the, it's the combining of those two things that make it wow. Um, yeah. But then equally, there's, you know, there's some amazing things that I love that maybe the structure isn't there, but... To take it to that next level, it's about having those two things married together. So you can you can judge things like, yeah, the structure and the format and stuff. But, you know, when you kind of think, well, who are you to, to talk about the heart of my life? But <laughs> it's... Oh, yeah, but there are certain competitions that you think, well, yeah, you do want to win that. You definitely do. And I yeah, think yeah, that's, yeah. that's where the editing that you talk about so frequently comes in though, yeah. isn't it? Because you write initially to get those emotions or feelings out. Yeah. And then you go, right, I've got, a, I've got an outline on a canvas, but, it, but that, that's my raw emotion. Yeah. How can that's, I turn that into a piece of crafted writing hmm. or literature? That's Yeah, exactly. That's why I just wanted to jump in and say is that that's why I, that's what I strive for because that's why I edit so much because I'm always trying to like get the two like, for me, yeah, I am more passionate and I write. That's why I have so many drafts because I'm very like emotional and passionate about things. So my usually my first drafts are just like a rumble of like yeah. just feelings and emotions. And then that's why I go back so many times and I strip it all back and think about language. And because the thing with poetry, as I said there before, and I'll say many more times, is I love it because I, you get to tell like a big story in a, a small amount of words and every mm-hmm. word has to like earn a place there. It has to mean something. It has to be the right word for that stanza to end on or to begin on or, you know, like, yeah. To, to me, it's exactly the same thing. There's a direct correlation with sport, right? Is that you can be like messy 
or you can play five aside on the weekend because you you love football and um, because it's good exercise and whatever but but, but you, you aren't going then for the Ballon d'Or or whatever you, you're not expected to win the Premier League you're just doing it because it's fun and that's the same with writing you can come to an open mic night and you can love it and that doesn't invalidate you as a writer just like playing football with like hoodie goalposts doesn't invalidate you as someone who loves football mm. but then you you are not as skilled at it as like professional footballers and that's fine do you know what i mean like that's fine i'm not like all of us are striving to improve constantly and that's great come read practice perform edit write practice perform keep doing it and then you get better at it same as anything else but you can get better at it there are skill included and i think to people when people say writing's just writing there's you know that takes away from the the craft that people have put in the hard work and the hours over it takes away from your degree i think yeah yeah i've heard i've had that comment a lot to be fair like uh i've 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 had it to me and i've heard it in passing mm. about you know people who have degrees think they're better writers or you know more this or more that and it's it's not the case like you know for me i went to uni because for survival like i've mentioned it before i won't go into it but i, just, I went because i was at a point in my life where i needed to make a choice and that's why and that's the choice i made and i quit my career as a chef went to uni uh, and I love it. I loved it. And it, I, I think I feel like I was a writer before I went, but I left a better writer. I don't, yeah. you know, but I don't think that I'm the best writer. It just made me better. It taught me things about myself, taught me things about the craft, things that I continue to like practice or look, research more or, you know, in a post-university. So I don't, I definitely don't see it as a bad thing, but I, I have heard that comment. But yeah, I think it validates. I think, I think studying any craft... Writing is a craft, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. especially if if you want to do it, live off it, eat off it. It's it's a job, isn't it? Like Ilaria, you you live off storytelling, like it's it's your job, isn't it? Like you know. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? I think because we've all grown up, um, sort of writing poems as kids, telling stories as kids, people then just think, oh well, we can all do it, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. but there is a difference. So like when I go into theatres and libraries and I do like storytelling sessions. Yeah. Those kids will have lovely stories that their mum tells them, that their nan tells them, and that is a beautiful thing. But that, but what I it is different. So now there are some libraries that will have a mum coming in because the mum will do it for free. So yeah. a mum will sit in and do it for free and read from a picture book. The kids love it. It's lovely, but it's not the same as when I go in with a with a half an hour story that I've redrafted again and again and again. I've got my scenery, I've got my puppets, I've got, do you know what I mean? So you, they can't be compared, but they always are. Because well, you provide an experience. You're not just there telling a story, are you? You're like, you're providing an experience for the children. Like you've got your puppets, like you said, you've got your scenery. It's, it's, it's a full experience. Yeah, yeah, your voices, your accents. It's a full experience. And it's I'm not just reading a, from a book. With a donkey in my bag and a dragon puppet. <laughs> Brian the chicken sometimes makes an appearance. So it's like, yeah, it, it does. People are quick to be like, oh, oh I could do that. And it's like, well, go on mm. then, go on then, do it, and it'll be lovely. But it, but don't compare it because it, it's not the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like as as I was saying, like before, it's a craft. You've got your craft. We, you know, we we're writers. We it's we've got our craft, and it's um, it's 
Sorry, I just saw a fly and it, it's distracting me. Also, again, um, it's a craft, and you need to. I I believe that it gets better if you if you research and if you practice it. And I don't see, think that should ever be seen as a bad thing. No, no, it shouldn't. You you can always improve. Like I I love sometimes like going back to it. I keep all my drafts of everything. So on my laptop, I'll have mm. like say ten versions of every story, and I'll have like a live version, um, one that's if I've got a five minute spot, if I've got a ten minute spot of the same story. So I'd never like to get rid of drafts, but um, you you see like you do see the improvement and the change. Just particularly, as we, we, you know, I'm getting older now. I'm in a different phase of my life, so the the sort of the stuff that I'm writing about is slightly different now, and that's and it should be. You should change. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. if we didn't, oh my god, what would our lives be? Yeah, if we just absolutely. didn't ever ever improve, matured. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and we, we shouldn't shy away from that word improve. Like, I've improved 100%. Even in the past year, in the process of like, writing something in a longer form, I've improved. I understand that better now. I understand page poetry better now than I did before. And yes. that's great. That's a positive thing, surely, if anything. And and th- to that extent, anybody can improve. You don't need a formal schooling, although that gives you the railroads in which to follow. But if you your choose framework, that, but... Mm, Mm, exactly you don't and you can choose to do that and you can follow that and it gives you a structure and a framework or you can choose to put the hours in but then you've got your job and you've got this and that and paying the bills on top of that so it's just about you know how seriously you take it and what path you want to follow it down i wanted to we got away from it a little bit but i wanted to ask you the question um about the forward price and okay, sorry, the yeah. same for any equivalent for you Ilaria. do you think that you are in the correct part of your career to be nominated for a best collection do you think you've you've done your best collection or is it ahead of you no, no i don't think so i haven't I yeah no i haven't I haven't done my best collection again that would be tragic if i had it's like yeah. you can't all yeah. this all this pressure of this is now the best well no i would like to think that it wasn't because i can i would like i would like to i would like my best collection one day to be instead of a collection of short stories to be a collection of essays i would like to be described as an essayist as a i said that word wrong instead of someone who writes funny short stories do you know what i mean so i've definitely i've got more in me um i could go to those i could go to that short story collection now and expand every single one and i and i you know I, i should do one day that's we should always be trying to to better all of our work so it's not that no, I don't think I've done my best collection now, my best show now. No, it, I would like to think that that's to come in my life. Absolutely agree. Um, I'm very proud of the work that I've got out. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm very proud of it. It's a part of me, 100%. I love it. Uh, but I don't feel like that's my best work because that work was written when I was... Some of it before I started learning the craft. Mm. Then a lot of it at the beginning of that kind of journey. And and as I said, I am proud of it. I love it. I, I know that some of it is good. Um, but I think that now as I've matured and I'm writing about different things and learning more, researching more, I've found my poetic voice, I would say, like a lot more. Um, I think I'm, I would write a better body of work at this stage in my life. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you both. I think that's the right attitude. What I think is interesting is that there's less barriers to entry in writing. So take um, something like the Mercury Prize, for example, which is sort of the most prestigious 
music prize in the UK. Okay. Um, and it, uh, acts like Little Sims or Dave and people like this have, have won it and relatively yeah. early on in their careers in terms of full length albums. But particularly with someone like Dave, Dave's been writing rap music since he was 16 years old, didn't put an album out until he was 21. So that's five years of like singles, EPs, whatever, building and building and building to get the yeah. connections to have a major label album, to have to know the people that can even put him in the, the right trajectory to be nominated and then to win the Mercury Prize. Writing isn't so much the same as that page writing, is that you might fall in with a local publisher, you might self-publish and you're sort of in a rush to be like i've got a book <laughs> i've got something a tangible thing to give to you but then you you may not have found your voice properly i haven't until very very recently i think a lot of my stuff now is more cohesive it feels like i've written it um i'm writing more traditionally a lot sonnet for oatly please give me some free <laughs> oat milk oatly uh, um, <laughs> Uh, and you sort of doors open to um, <laughs> always on it doors open to people who are going to be able to provide you the facilities to even get noticed by that panel of judges. Do you know what I mean? Kate Fox, like uh, Joel uh, Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. Why, why would they be even interested in anything that any of us have done so far? No offense to any of us, but do you know what I mean? They've got other people who've been writing for 10 years to look out for best collection. Yeah, like me. when you look at someone like uh, Kim Moore, for ex mm -hmm. instance, amazing poet, you know. So that's just um, for anyone who might have got lost, that's the person who won the Forward Prize last year. He won the Forward Prize last year, yeah. Um, but even last year, she, she's already like so far in a, in mm -hmm. a career. She's had, what, two books before that? She, um, um, no, maybe a pamphlet, sorry, and a full collection. Sure. Uh, she, she's teaching at MMU, like she's... You know, she's doing. She's like, she's there. She's. She, I would say she's a lot. She's advanced, more advanced than like maybe me or you are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In a career, and so she's at a better position to to get attention of last year's judges and yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And it also sort of leads us on to those awards that are for people under thirty, for example, um, which I know you've had ire about before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one for you, obviously, uh, as we've said a couple of times, you were nominated for the Murky Prize um, at the, right at the start of your career. Yeah, I mean, yeah, very, like, the start right of the, the career. Start, yeah. yeah, like, I hadn't, obviously, uh, no, I, don't, I hadn't done any open mics. I didn't know any of you, lovely lot. Like, I hadn't, uh, you know, I was still at uni at that time, probably finishing up, but, but I was still in third year. Um, I hadn't really done anything, like, just, just done uni. Mm -hmm. um, and and Ben Wilkinson, who we've had on, who's you know was my mentor and my tutor there, um, just the night before it was the, the, <laughs> the submission deadline closed, sent me the link as like you should apply for this. And at first I was like, it's only for people of color, but it wasn't. It was you know it was open. Um, but yeah, I mean I'm so grateful for that. And but that that I I got in through the you know, skin on my teeth there because I was 29 and it's, it's close as that 30. So I thought, you know what, it's the only time I can apply. So why not? And that's, that's really why I did it. I just got a little thing together and sent it in. Um, forgot all about it because it was like months, you know, <laughs> until you're here. And then, yeah, shortlist, long listening, shortlisted, uh, which amazing opportunity. Um, and 
the the previous winners as well, and the win and the winners after now as well. They're, they're all fantastic, really, really important books. Like my my favorite has to be po the poetry one, of course, because I think all the other ones were fiction. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, it was a great opportunity, and and it's a great. It is it is good that there there are um, awards for, like aimed at the younger generation because I think they are writing important important mm -hmm. stories, aren't they? And they are important voices that we sh we should all be listening to. I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's just um, how that develops throughout your career when, as we've just talked about, you know, that is the very, very start of everybody's career yeah. and finding the time, because it is a hobby for many, many years before it becomes anything else. So finding the time to, to pencil out, to develop, to apply to stuff, to get a collection, to get a pamphlet, whatever, takes five, six, seven years Yeah, just due to the nature of it. And then... The submissions process for certain places can be so long, six months, 12 months, just to hear back. Yeah, about just on that though, sorry, quickly, yeah. um, what you, your point you just mentioned um, is that like I was very, I was in a lucky position when I applied because I, I was at uni and I was developing a portfolio at the time and I was getting regular feedback from my, men, my tutor, mm. Ben, um, so that work was always improving and that's, that's work that I submitted so when we're talking about, you know, awards that are like judged, because obviously the Mercury, um, the Mercury New, New Writers Prize New Writers, was judged. Yeah. Um, so these awards that are getting judged, like I was in a lucky position and maybe that's how I got so far, is because I was getting that genuine uh, constant feedback from someone who's very knowledgeable in, you know, a, a, a proper professional. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I just, and then I just wanted we, to point we, that out. We lose that ability, don't we, later on? Like, my redrafts go through, sometimes through you, through my mate, our mate Zoe, um, through my brother. Um, that's about it, really. And then onto the stage. But, you know, with all three of us, we're sort of at the same... My brother's not a, a creative writer, really. He's yeah. just very intelligent. Zoe isn't has got experience in editing, and yourself do as well. But on a, on a level where we're all kind of at the same stage in... Our career so it's not like talking to someone like ben who's been doing it for a long long time interesting laria when you're doing short stories because obviously i know you've been editing the stage show do you bounce that off of somebody or is it like from performing them live how does that edit i'm i'm really really lucky that i work with um, a producer called michael jacob so mm -hmm. he his background is um in scripted comedy. So he he was like, he'd worked at the BBC and stuff and he's worked on loads of sitcoms that I grew up watching as a kid. So he is such a good person to give feedback to. And the older that I've got and the more that I found my voice, he now is like, will be brutally honest. And I, I really need that. I've needed that, you know, as I've got older and stuff. So he's, I'm so lucky that he loves this kind of work and I've got a lovely friendship and like working relationship with him. So he, I will send him like a full, a full like 9,000 word draft of the show and he will just be like, no, no, right to change this, boom, 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 and send it straight back. So that I am lucky with that. Um, I've just made sure that over the years I've listened to him a lot. In the beginning I was like, no. I write about my life. You don't understand my life. Whereas now I'm like, oh, and he, he, stuck does, with he you. does know. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's such an invaluable thing, like you've said, to have somebody there who's going to take the time to actually read a 9,000 word draft for yeah. a start. And, then and he's, out of, he's out of this sort of 
world of poetry and yeah. spoken words. So he's looking at it from like a structural point of view, which is where I I am a bit weaker on. Um, and he now that he knows me very well, he knows exactly how to like to give me feedback and stuff. And he's removed from this world, so it's not like he's just going to go, well done, but that was brilliant. Which actually, when I send him a draft, is all I want him to do. I just want <laughs> him to say, God, you're fucking brilliant, aren't you? But yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. Which, that would happen at an open mic, wouldn't it? Everyone is going bloody hell, that was fabulous. He doesn't do that. Um, which is why I'm like, okay, I will do another draft. I will change this. Yeah. Because after an open mic, you come back and you usually you feel brilliant. You don't think you need to change it. You go, God, that, that was so good, wasn't it? <laughs> I am brilliant. And, yeah, and that's, yeah. Not, that's not good for, you know, improving, is it? That's not productive at all. Yeah, because no, workshopping it, it, is... Cool. Sorry. Workshopping is so important, isn't it? Like, and, and I think it depends, what, depends where you are and your surroundings. I think, like, when Will, for example, tried to... Uh, not try to. When Will workshopped his uh, Kanye show, his mm-hmm. one-man show about Kanye um, at Switchblade, I think I feel like you got a genuine like sense of whether the crowd was feeling you or not. There, um, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you did. Um, I feel like it was tangible, you know. But again, like so with that, that's been really sorry. interesting because at Switchblade, it had quite a nice reaction. Some really. Um, people were laughing at the right parts. But then I went and did the exact same routine, the exact same sort of bits at Mouth, um, run by Lowell Perkin. Okay. And people took it really seriously. Like the jokes part of it didn't land. People just took it as like a dramatic monologue. Oh, okay, okay. Despite me sort of doing it in the exact same style, the exact same way. And I thought that's fascinating how a different crowd, a different time, maybe yeah. the fact that I didn't run that night, I don't know, like don't know, all sorts of stuff. Comp- yeah, the same just, language came across so differently. Really interesting. I suppose it could have to, to do with Switchblade is your night and mm. you like, you know, people there have a, like a special maybe kind of care for you or, mm. you know, and, and maybe, yeah. yeah and that's maybe. an atmosphere. You, you curate that atmosphere yes. at Switchblade, don't you? So it's a different, it's a different thing than obviously if mouth is a different vibe to that. But then, but this is this is why you do previews of a show and do like work yeah. in progresses and and really you've just got to have that conviction in your own work that actually it right it went like that there, this is how it went down there. But this is what I'm going to do, and it's not plow on regardless with no, what's going what, on. You've got to let that room affect what you do, but you've just got to make a decision at some point. This is just how I'm going to do it. Otherwise, yeah, it's because what was fascinating is it wasn't it didn't have a bad reaction. It wasn't that people didn't get it. It's just yeah, that yeah. They, they took it really seriously and they took it like very, you know, straight on, straight ahead without sort of swimming through it or looking through it or, or reading it in a com- comedic way. I also think that it comes down to the way you present on that certain day, the clothes you're wearing. You know, this yeah. is the element of stagecraft that people like comedians, I think, take perhaps more seriously than than poets or st- spoken word artists is that like you form a judgment a preconception of the type of thing someone's going to come and talk about before they've even said a word <laughs> well persona is a bigger thing in comedy than mm. i think it is in spoken word like the whole idea of a persona is because i think mm. the idea of spoken word is that it's authentic and you're laid bare mm. and it's whereas Stand-up is a different thing. Which That's why stand-up comedians will always stick to their time. When they do five <laughs> minutes, they do five minutes. To, 
they're so anal about it, aren't they? On their little yeah. watches. <laughs> a poet, yeah. oh my God, the, the preamble will be 10 minutes. And then, <laughs> so, it's, so it's a completely different thing, isn't it? So the presentation of it is different. The persona and the approach is different. Yeah. Mm. Which is, um, have either of you seen Zy Black's two? Oh, I think, yes. Roll, I think they did Natter, right? They he did, did Natter, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's from Liverpool and he's a, a spoken word artist, but he has a very set persona. Yeah. Um, well, come on, sunglasses, X's. Oh, Effin and Jeffin. And Effin yes. and Jeffin, indeed. Regardless of the room. And like you said, it, that can be a really positive thing, or but sometimes it doesn't go down as well. It can, it, it depends on the room and the audience in front of him and in front of any performer at the time. So, yeah, I th- I'd like to see more persona in spoken word. I want to see people come on and just like full tracksuit. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Lean into what they're doing or like a suit. Sell me a persona. Do, do me a thing and stick to it. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's powerful, isn't it? And it, re- it really does shake up a lineup. Mm. So, mm. you know, there are certain acts when you've got them on, you're like, right, yes, this is what that needed, actually. They lifts it, it breaks it up. It, yeah, yeah, so I agree. So are you going to get yourself a little wig and... Yeah, I'm too changeable. What, what, what should my persona be? I'm open to suggestions. Oh, market mm. I don't think I like the idea of that for me, personally. Because <laughs> I think... No, I, but no, listen, I see what you mean. And, I, and I've seen people... I, I know people have it, and I think it can be a good thing, but I... I just don't think that's me, like, confidence level. I couldn't come on stage and be like, right, let me tell you a poem about this. No, like... But I you just... don't have to. Like, there's comedians whose whole thing is that they're incredibly, intensely awkward. And then they get off stage and they're fine, they're normal. Oh, well, then just... That's my but then you're just awkward myself. all the time. Yeah, 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 myself. <laughs> I, I'm my I'm persona. <laughs> but then that's the difference but... in someone who is sort of a poet and someone who's, like, a performance poet. Then mm. that's, a diff- that's a different thing again, isn't it? So... Yeah. Someone who is coming out to share their words, it doesn't, that's beautiful as well. But mm-hmm. then with other people, it's about like the performance and which is why this world is so great. This, you know, I know you don't like the word scene, but it's why it is <laughs> such a, a colourful, vibrant scene because it, everyone's so different. Yeah. And also why these awards are so hard to pin down as well. Because yeah. it's almost like spoken word is a completely different thing from poetry as well. And that is such a broad term as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, when I did, I did my Camden All words Fringe. are spoken if you say them. Well, exactly. <laughs> so I've got my show billed as a spoken word show because it doesn't fit in any other category. But then when I did that for Camden Fringe, there was a woman in the audience that was like, oh, I expected you to be doing it to a beat. And I was like, oh, is that what... Really? Yeah, and so obviously, so she was expecting some sort of like beat poetry, and then there's me talking about like my mum cooking naked and the village duck pond and all this. So it was really wasn't what she was expecting. But... Brilliant! I think you could make a hip hop record. Well, that's yeah. my persona, man. <laughs> and MC Passero in the mix. Oh god, no! I'm, I'm not doing that. It. Goes hard. That's a good name. <laughs> Amazing. So there's also there's there's 16 competitions right closing from between now and the end of June, um, according to NationalPoetryLibrary.org. So it's the second of June now. So okay. that's like, what's that? Three or four a week across various things. Some with age gaps. Some some with age caps and some with specifics like people of colour or women, but 
Most of them don't. Most of them are for anyone. That's so many awards. And the 16. laurels. 16. Wow. That's just this month. It, we don't even know about half of them. And people don't have the time to submit to half of them. And to what extent do they even matter if there's that many? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they don't do the Oscars 16 times a month, do they? No. You see, when you put it like that, yeah, that, that's a lot. That's a lot of awards. And it, actually, it gets to a stage where it becomes a little bit overwhelming trying to, mm. trying to find them all. And then I'll sometimes be in bed like, my life could have changed if I'd have known about those and that I didn't <laughs> submit. And, or I'll often hear about things like the day after. The vo- and you're like, oh, no. So uh, they do matter and they don't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, that, it's that strange thing. They do matter, of course they do, because they make you feel wonderful and they're a lovely thing. And But also, you shouldn't be making work for just for that. If you're doing it just to win an award, that's that's wrong, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think they matter in a sense that, to a certain degree, in a sense that they may open up, open up doors and, and present opportunities, um, you know, if the right pair of eyes reads that this poem has won this award or whatever you might get a book deal you might you know get a a teaching job or a lecturing job or whatever it may be you might be presented opportunities on the back of that so there's always that but again you shouldn't be writing I think it's good to write to think okay you see a competition you think oh I'd like to write a poem for that and then you know that might spark an idea I think that's fantastic but as as you said Ilari you shouldn't just be writing Every day, right? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna write the poem that's gonna win the forward prize. Like you couldn't. You, that's not. That's not good no, or healthy. I don't. But that's. I but that's say. like a. That's a non-specific thing as well. Have you ever written something to a brief in that way? So by fourteen poems by Plus Collection just closed um, yes. the other day. I wrote four or five pieces for that, or or edited pieces that had been in the back of my mind, and I didn't see a natural home for to fit that brief. And without without that prompt, I don't think that they would have come, and they certainly wouldn't have come in that exact way that they've turned out. Yeah. Now, of those, there's two poems that I'm really, really, really proud of, and I really, really want them to get nominated or to get the nod because I want to share them because I've written them, and I'm like, I can't share them until they've announced. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I'm just sat on them, and I know they're good. I know that they're really, really good. But then. You, you, there's not really a question there. I'm just sort of saying just stuff. Just showing off you know that I mean? you wrote some poems. <laughs> yeah, I'm just showing off, yeah. They're good. No, They're no, really you, good. You, you said, you asked, you did ask the question. You asked if I'd ever written anything for yeah. brief. And, you know, until very recently, I'd say that I can't write for brief because I found... Very recently. I, I've, until very recently, because I had to write for a brief for Prada Man North. So, um, until until recently, I, I would say like I would find it really restricting, and I wouldn't be able to sit down and say to myself, right, you need to write a poem about the ocean, yeah. and you can't use the word ocean. Go, I can't, you know, I'm not like I don't write like that. Not That's not my rhyme process. Rhyme, things like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't. I've never done that. I've never attempted because I know that I won't be able to do it, and then I feel shit about myself for not doing it. You know, so mm. I just like, but I, I write throughout the month and stuff, but I just don't say right, I'm gonna do it. Um, but what 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 was I saying? Oh yeah, so, but you know, I was asked to take part in uh, in Proud of My North, what was released uh, the other day on the thirty first, which is a Pride project, and I was given a very short brief, mind, but I knew that it was for a Pride pro- project for charity, um, and then really the only the only brief was Proud and North. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I was like Proud of My North. 
um, but I, I really found that whole experience and that process uh, that's changed probably the way I would write moving forward because mm. I really enjoyed it. I really engaged with it. Um, you know, I've often felt like it's forced if you're writing for something, but I really, it, it came to me just free flowing. I just, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I really, I'm really proud of that poem actually. Um, yeah. So until recently, I would have said I'm not a fan of, of writing to brief, but now I am. <laughs> it's really I've nice to get a peek into that, into that process. Um, recently, Adam Farah of um, Coldfish Soup posted about a um, hundred days of writing. Uh, or th- yeah, a hundred days of writing, um, which is a project that was um, started by Jenna Ashworth, designed to literally get people writing for 100 days and just getting words on the page. Now, he talks in his Instagram post about how that ended up being forming the bulk of Coldfish Soup, a book that was developed out of winning a prize, the New Writing North Prize, and then published with Northbound. So what an amazing book. That's two, And it is an incredible piece. But it, there's two things there. The first is that it started from a prompt, a vague prompt, right, for 100 days, but a prompt nonetheless. And the second thing is that the book was published due to its being um, sent off for an award. So I think this brings us to our wrap-up question because it it starts to talk about our next steps for everyone, which is that to what degree are you currently working on a manuscript knowing that you don't necessarily have a publisher for it? For both Uh, of you. I would say that I'm actively working on a project uh that i plan to publish myself you formatted it like a as a book or is it a collection of poems um it's not gonna yeah it's a collection of poems rather than a book i'm gonna combine combine uh different types of art visual Mm -hmm. and other uh audio as well um and into a zine and you know that sorry you know that you want to self-publish that yeah so your motivation there is when this is done it's done on my time and I can then publish it yeah because I'm really falling in love with like the whole DIY mm-hmm. way of doing things you know and um I've always kind of said to myself I'm a writer I'm a writer and my partner's the artist and stuff but re- very recently I think I mentioned that before to you or on the pods I've kind of more being in, in, experimenting in different kinds of art and everything and so I want that project to represent that I want to do it myself and I also want it to just be a small and it's an experiment so I don't plan to print um a hundred copies and sell them all but it's mm. going to be like a limited special kind of thing beautiful well Aria same to you like do you find it hard to write a cohesive project without an end goal in mind do you have an end goal in mind a particular publisher self-publishing yeah it, it is it is hard isn't it to just think right I'm gonna I'm gonna write write for you know a few hours now where is it going to go? Is anyone going to know about this? Yeah. Is it... But one thing that I've, I'm trying to do is just to write all the time, even mm. if even if it's it's rubbish, just because there will always be something within it. So it's interesting, that thing that Adam said about the writing, the 100 days, just write all the time. You There will always be a nugget in it that will spark something else or one day you're typing away and it seems like it's rubbish, but then you revisit it and you think, actually, that, that's a piece. So, like, with my show, I've written that, so that's, like, a 50-minute show, but within that are other essays that I'll write 
about certain characters that are in it. There's a Johnny the lecturer that's in in my show. It's this like funny teacher, fake teacher I had. Um, but he he will have his own essay. Oh no no he is he is fake. Okay. <laughs> but I will write an essay about him. That it's the basis of it. It's already within the show that will then be written. So I'm always writing for something else in mind. Yeah, even if it's something that is really far fetched. I have to I have to put that rule on it to be able to write, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. I think we're coming to an end point. That was I really enjoyed that chat, guys. Me too. I really did. I really did as well. But I, just before we we, we mm-hmm. begin to uh, say our goodbyes, I want you Larry to tell people where they can come and see your new show uh, and when and where they can go get tickets. Ah, yes. So my show is on a uh, Gulliver's, the Gulliver's Lounge in the Northern Quarter, lovely pub, really, really nice. Um, and the show is on as part of Greater Manchester Fringe. So you can get your tickets on the Greater Manchester Fringe website. The show is called Outside In. It's a funny storytelling show just for adults, this one. Don't be bringing kids. Well, if they buy a ticket, they can come. Um, and it's on, on the 25th of July, the 26th at 7.30. And I'm doing a Sunday matinee on the 30th at 2.30. So come Amazing. On. That was perfect advertising. That was yes, that is in your brain. Oh, and yes. it just came out. Mwah, beautiful. Oh, I'm really <laughs> excited about this show. You know, when you just you fall in love with what you're doing and you're like, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Amazing. We can't wait to see it. And we We're very excited to come along and watch see it. Yeah. Everyone go get your tickets. This is not one to be missed. <laughs> right. Beautiful. Uh, Alari, thank you for coming and guesting on this. We will have you back before the show um, to discuss your writing history and editing and redrafting and all of this. But we just congratulations again on all your nominations for the Sabotage Sabotor Awards. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah. That's that. Thanks, guys. That's that. Thank you for having me. We've done it. Beautiful. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Redraft Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this chat, you can help support us over on Patreon. We have three tiers of Patreon support available from three to eight pounds per month. Tier one is the Big Biro tier in that you receive a shout out in the episode after you join, access to all of our planning documents and you can join an exclusive Instagram group chat with other writers to share notes, tips, feedback and more. In tier two, the Fountain Pen tier, you get all of that plus pre-sale to any upcoming live events that we've got going on and you get to interact with our guests directly by emailing in questions in advance. And in tier three, you get the typewriter tier, includes all the previous benefits, plus a free art print from Printer Poet, commission your own poem from us once a year, and you also get feedback on a single piece of writing, and that's once a month. And of course, you can also support us for free by following, subscribing, and dropping us a five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choice. And we are really grateful for any level of support that you can offer. We know it's a tough old world out there for everyone at the minute, so... Thank you very much. And if you can't support us in that way, you can always just share us with your friends, tell the world about us, put us on your stories and give us five stars. We'll be back every Monday with a brand new episode of the Redraft podcast for your listening pleasure.